You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. That's our reading today. We're going to be looking at treasure in heaven. So, first verse. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. It's pretty straightforward. The things we have here on this earth, they can all be taken from us. And Jesus is just saying, he's warning us not to make them the focus of our lives because they're so temporary. He goes on to say, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And quite obviously, if you've got something in heaven, God's looking after it, nothing bad can happen to it up there. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is one of the key verses for my sermon this morning, so I want you to sort of file that away in the back of your mind. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, verses 22 and 23, Jesus goes off on this little analogy that uh, he's using to um, help us understand that there is, there's only uh, two situations. It's an on or an off, a black or a white, light or dark, heaven or earth. There are no in-betweens. And he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So he's saying, on or off, light or dark, earth or heaven, no in-between. And if you choose the wrong one, how dark is that? How bad is that? This verse, verse 24, is the key verse. The other one was important, but this is the key verse for today. There are no divided loyalties for Christians. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Some translations use the word money instead of mammon, and you cannot serve God and money. But mammon really means more than just money. It means wealth. It includes your possessions. It includes all those things that money can buy, status and power, the material wealth and possessions that surround us. And those things, those things are real challenged for us as Christians because they're the things that steal our focus away from God. And so Jesus is warning us that you cannot serve God and your wealth. You have to choose. It's either one or the other. You're either on or off. Heaven or earth, there's no in-between. There's no divided loyalties. So, these are the points we're going to look at today in... That wasn't the sermon, that was just the, the Bible reading. So, we, you know, it really only starts now. Um, these are the points we're going to look at today in, um, in the sermon. We're, we're going to look money and wealth, uh, society, the rich... The problem with treasure, we're going to look at how everything belongs to God and how to lay up treasures in heaven and, uh, and where to go next. So, here's a bit of Bible trivia for you. What subject did Jesus speak on the most? Now, 
you're all very intelligent people. Given the topic of my uh, sermon, you probably all said anything else, probably money. Yes, that's correct. 15% of all his recorded words relate to money or wealth. That's more than twice as much as he spoke about heaven and hell. Jesus spoke more about wealth and money than any other topic. If preachers, pay attention Steve, if preachers would follow Jesus' lead, you would get seven sermons a year on money. That's about 15% of 52. So you're not going to get seven sermons. You're going to get one sermon with seven points. Um, and, and that's pretty good value for money, I reckon. <laughs> so um, we are um, we're pretty sort of um, concerned about preaching about money because we don't want to come across as saying, hey, you know, we just ain't interested in money. We're not. But uh, nevertheless, that's, that's one of the dangers. And Jesus knows this. That's why he talked so much about money, because he knows that money is a danger. Wealth is a danger, because it can draw us away from our focus on God. So, not seven sermons this year on money, but one sermon with seven points. And the second point is about society, because our society is... is and I don't need to, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Our society is extraordinarily focused on wealth and possessions and money. And that's why this verse that Jesus spoke this morning, or that we read this morning, this is probably one of the most important things in the New Testament for our society. Because it speaks directly to the, the, the values that under, underpin everything that's going on around us. This comic, probably a bit hard to see, but it's a bunch of rats in a maze. And they're encouraged to work harder. Up there in the, up there in the top, work harder. So you can earn more money. So you can buy more things in order to find happiness, which is just around the corner. It's all a lie. It sucks out. It, working harder to earn more money, to buy more things, it's an endless cycle. Because when you bought more things, then you need to get more money so you can earn, you know, buy more things. And it's a lie. It's a lie that happiness is just around the corner from acquiring all of those things. But that lie is so much a part of our society. It sucks our energy, our resources, our time, our focus. Our focus is no longer on God where it should be. Our focus is on everything that society is telling us is important. Our society pushes us in the direction of acquiring treasures here on earth. It tells us that our goal is to earn as much as we can and get as much as we can and use as much as we can. And then we get to the point where our garages are full of junk while our expensive cars sit outside in the weather. The need to accumulate things is all lies. And the really big lie is that doing that will make us happy. It's a lie from Satan that material wealth and a big income brings happiness. There have been studies done. There was a global study on 90,000 people 
from countries all around the world. And the countries that had the greatest amount of anxiety and depression, those sorts of mental illnesses, were the wealthiest countries in the world. America was right up there on top. The wealthiest countries in the world, statistically, have more incidences of mental health than the poorer countries. That's stats. That's, that's, a, that's, that's reality. That's just not me getting up here and saying, oh, you know, wealth is bad. The countries that are the wealthiest have the greatest incidence of mental health. There is a connection there. Uh, I don't know if you've been to any third world countries. I've been to East Timor. Uh, if you go to East Timor, and I'm sure many other countries, um, this is what your washing machine looks like if you live in the rural areas. So you can see that they're um, uh, whacking their clothes on a rock uh, in the stream. If you live in the, uh, in the city, this is, uh, this is uh, next picture is from Dili, which is the capital of East Timor. You're a little bit upmarket. You get to use a concrete slab as your washing machine. Now, just as an aside, the amazing thing about these sort of washing machines is they produce these brilliantly white clothes. I haven't been able to get my wife interested in a rock yet, but <laughs> look at the result. It's amazing. And you know what? The people in East Timor, when I was there, they had nothing, literally nothing. Everything had been destroyed by the Indonesians. They had, you know, the Indonesians had filled up their, their toilets with concrete. There was nothing available to them. And yet, they were all happy. They were all smiling. They had freedom. They had nothing else, but they had freedom. So, whereas us in the West, we are so wealthy. We have so much. And all it does is it weighs us down and burdens us and then we are far from healthy and far from happy. So who are the rich who have all these treasures on earth? If I was to ask you, you know, are you rich? What would your answer be? Most of us think that rich is somebody who's got more than we do. And you know, and if you asked to name rich people, you would probably say something like Bill Gates or Rupert Murdoch or Gina Reinhart, billionaires. But I've got a bit of a shock for you. If you live in a house that has a roof that doesn't leak, if you have access to transportation, if you have food in your cupboards, if you don't go to bed at night hungry and not knowing where your next meal is coming from, if you have more than two sets of clothes, and if you have access to clean water and modern healthcare, then you are richer than 80% of the people on the planet. 80%. And many of us are far richer than that. For most of us, we are richer than 99% of the people on the planet. This pyramid, this is uh, 2017 data, so it's right up to date. And according to this data, if your net worth is greater than 100,000 US dollars, so that, whoops, go back, that's there, 100,000 US dollars in there, you are, um, that you're in the top 21% of the planet. Now, US $100,000 is about $130,000 Australian dollars, and that's not money in the bank. That's your car, your house, your iPhone, 
all of the things that you've got, if you add up the value of that, if you click over 130,000 Australian dollars, you're in the top 20%. Given the property values here on the Gold Coast, most of us are, are probably up here in the top 7%, top 8%, where you've got to have somewhere over uh, 100,000 to a million dollars. Or if you're over a million dollars and some of the property around here can be quite expensive, you're in the top 1%. We are wealthier than at least 80%, probably 90% of the rest of the people on the planet. When Jesus is talking about the dangers of wealth, he's not talking to Bill Gates and, and Gina Reinhart, though they should listen. He's talking to us because we fall into that bracket. We are the rich. We are the wealthy ones. We are the ones who, if I get the right button, are in danger. Because the danger to us is that we focus so much on our wealth, we take our focus off God. And we spend all our time building up treasures here on earth And then, at the end, we have nothing with God. We, as we're, were created, we were made and shaped and formed to love God. And God asks us to love him. But so many of us, and the history of humanity... So many people love themselves or their treasures much more than they love God. And we are not immune from that danger. It's a real danger. It's a danger for us. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He warns us, the things we treasure draw our hearts away from God. He's warning us that if we give our hearts to things, we are taking them away from God. Where your heart is, that is what you treasure. And your heart should be focused on God. He should be your treasure. And he demands all of our hearts, not a little bit of it. It's 100% loyalty. And we understand that on a purely human level, as inconvenient as it might be, you cannot be Prime Minister of Australia and be a citizen of another country. You cannot have divided loyalties. It has to be 100%. And it's the same for the kingdom of heaven. You cannot be a Christian only half loyal to God. He, even more than the Australian Constitution, demands our 100% loyalty, our 100% love. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon, as I said, doesn't mean just money. It means all of our material wealth, all of our possessions. We might not have a million dollars in the bank, but most of us are really well off. And Jesus is pointing out to us here in the 21st century that material wealth comes with a real danger, and that real danger is that it will lead us away from serving God we will be distracted from God by all of the things that fill our lives. So what should we do? Well, the most important thing is to give God the honour and glory and above all recognition 
recognition that everything we have comes from God. Up to this point, all the stuff that I've been saying has effectively been the background information. But now we come to the section which is the key take-home point. And that is that everything is God's. Everything. You know, in Australia, we have floods or bushfires, or both at the same time. After each event, you'll see the media will find some poor person and they'll interview them and that person will say that they have lost everything. I mean, they will literally say, I have lost everything. The reality is they're still alive, so they haven't lost everything. But what they mean is they've lost all of those earthly treasures that they have built up over their lifetime. Everything that had been important to them has been taken away. And it demonstrates the point that Jesus is saying. All of our earthly possessions, we can lose them in an instant. We can lose them through theft or through disaster or through bad management. And they can be all gone. And if that is the most important thing in our lives, how devastating is that? And, it, and it, it does devastate people's lives. And people commit suicide when those sorts of things happen. Now I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to just think and reflect for a minute. Let's suppose that that happens to you. While you're sitting here in church, everything you own out in the real world is destroyed. There's no home to go home to. There's no lunch to go home to because there's no fridge to keep the food in. All you have are the clothes you're standing up in. Just imagine that's a real scenario. How are you going to feel? Are you going to be devastated? You know, all those precious little mementos that you've built up over the years, the little knickknacks, the photos, everything is gone. That actually happened to a fellow in the Bible. His name is Job, and you can read about him in the book that's named after him. And in Job chapter 1, verse 21, after everything has been taken from him, his possessions, his wealth, his health, his family, he says this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job recognised a real truth. When you're born, you don't come with a credit card, you don't come with a, with a, you know, a, a pocket to put money in or money to go in the pocket. When you come into this world, you have nothing. And then people give you things and you start accumulating things. But when you get to the end of it, you know, I have never seen a hearse with a trailer on the back full of possessions for the person to take with them when they go. When you leave this world, you take nothing with it. Everything that you have accumulated during your lifetime stays behind for other people to play with. Job recognised everything that we have comes to us in our lifetime, comes to us from God. Everything. We might think, I've worked really hard, I've earned that, I've deserved that, I've paid for that with money that I've earned. But the reality is that there are people on this planet who work much harder than we do and have nothing. Working hard doesn't mean anything. Everything that we have, we have because God has richly blessed us. 
And if we do not acknowledge that, if we don't focus on God and say, God, I acknowledge everything I have comes from you, then we are focusing on our earthly treasures and not the heavenly treasure. Everything you have and everything you are, and indeed you yourself, everything belongs to God. This is a key point. This point is the central part of this message. So if you've been asleep up till now, wake up, read this. Everything you have, everything you are, and you need yourself, everything belongs to God. Now go back to sleep. But remember that and take, that's the take home. That's what I want you to, to remember. Jesus told a parable of, 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 called the parable of the talents, where a rich man gave three of his servants some money and went away. Two of the servants took the money and invested it and made more. But the third one buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, the other two got, well done, good and faithful servant. But the one who buried it in the ground got condemned because he'd been given a resource and he hadn't used it. The master said, you could have stuck it in the bank and got interest on it. You wasted the resource that I gave you. That, that servant, that is the one that speaks to us. We have been given resources. Everything we have has been given us to by God. And God wants to know, what are you going to do with all the stuff that I've given you? Are you going to worship the stuff that I've given you? I don't think God's going to be too happy with that. Are you going to use the, God to, the stuff that you've been given to look after yourself? Well, that's probably an important thing to do, but is that what God wants you to do with your resources? Are you going to use your resources to multiply the kingdom of God? Are you going to do that? Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go out and you know, do all the work yourself, but you can be part of a team. And that's what this church is, it's a team. It's a team that's focused on expanding the kingdom of God. So, where are we up to? How do you lay up treasures in heaven? Remember I said that Matthew 6.21 was a key verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've just been talking about how everything we have comes to us from God. And everything is, and God wants to know what we're going to do with everything that he's given us. So, where is our focus? Where is our heart? If our heart is on the things, we're not using it the way God wants us. If our heart is on God, then everything will just fall naturally into, you know, we'll either ignore it or we'll use it for God's kingdom. How different is the life of the person that is focused on God compared to the person that's focused on self or on material possessions? I found this list on the internet. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring it to you because it's got some ideas in it. Uh, and there were 10 things that you could send on ahead, it said. So, you know, you can't take it with you, but you can send things on ahead. And the things you can do to send on treasures in heaven. Evangelism. I thought that was pretty obvious. Winning souls for, um, uh, for Jesus. Holiness of character. Well, being a good person, that sounds like a good thing to do. Obedience to God's commands, acts of service, disciples nurtured in their faith, so you're helping other people grow in their faith, all of those are good things. Praying for others, 
Um, that doesn't even cost us any money. Great. Supporting missions, studying God and his word, giving time to the church, giving money to the church. And um, we'll come back to giving money to the church because I think that's a pretty important thing and we'll talk about that before we finish. But let me tell you a story. A man came to see his pastor one day and he said, I've got a problem with money. And the pastor said, well, tell me all about it. And he said, well, when I was earning $200 a week, I didn't have any trouble tithing $20 a week. It was easy. But since then, I've had a better job and I'm now earning $2,000 a week and it's much harder to pay $200 a week as a tithe. And, and I, you know, can I get out of this somehow? Can I, can I give less than 200 And the pastor said, what we'll do is we'll pray about it and we'll do it right now. And so the, the man said, okay, fine. So the pastor said, Lord God, this man's got all this problem. He's not been able to give one-tenth of his income because you have blessed him so much and you've increased his wealth. I pray, Lord, that you reduce his income back to 200 when he didn't have any trouble tithing. And the man jumped up and said, no, I can tithe, I can tithe, it's all right. It's a funny story, because it, but what it, the point of it is it highlights that we think money has a certain amount of value. We think $200 is a lot more than $20. In the kingdom of God, he doesn't care. He doesn't care whether you put in $20 or $200. Jesus told the story about the widow who put in two tiny little coins. And she said she put in more than anybody else because she had two coins. She could have put one in and kept one for herself, but she put them both in. So it's not the amount of money. It's the heart. It's the attitude about it. And in fact, I personally have a problem about tithing because, and this is, this is what happens with people who are into tithing, they give one-tenth of their income, fantastic. And if you're tithing, I don't want to stop you doing that. In fact, I would encourage you to give even more. But what happens with people? This is the danger. We think, ah, I've paid my 10%, therefore I've done my duty, the other 90% is mine to do with as I like. Sorry, I'll get over this side of the stage. I'll stop talking to the people in that side of the room, talking to the people in the side of the room, right? So, you know, we think that we've done our duty by giving 10%, and the remaining 90% is ours to do with as we like. But that's not the way it works. Tithing was something that was under the Old Testament law. We're not under the Old Testament law, we're under grace. We don't have to tithe. What we have to do is give 100%, not 10%. We, are so, we should be so grateful for everything that God has given to us that 100% of what we have belongs to God. God doesn't expect us to, you know, come along here and give everything, you know, to the church. But he does expect us to acknowledge that everything we have is his anyway. And if you have that attitude, or people who do have that attitude, they don't have any trouble. You know, the church has got a special, uh, you know, a function or some, some, you know, project that needs extra money. They don't have any money giving to that because they don't see it as their money. They see it as God's money. And so they do whatever they can, in whatever way they can, and they're not fussed because they're not giving up their treasures, they're just giving back to God some of the stuff that he's already given them. Jesus only spoke once about tithing. And uh, he was, uh, it was in Matthew chapter 23, 
and uh, verse 23, and the Pharisees had come to him and he criticised them because what they were doing, he said, um, you give a tenth of your spices. In other words, they tithed so much that they gave even a tenth of all of their spices. You know, they got their scales out and weighed their spices and one tenth of it they gave. He said, you focus so much on the insignificant things and give one tenth, but you neglect the more important matters of justice, mercy and faithfulness. He said, you should have done that as well as tithing, you should have done that. So Jesus only spoke once about tithing. He didn't speak about it particularly positively, but he, what he said about it was it's the starting off point. It's not the goal. It's where you start from and everything comes after that. This is building up treasures in heaven. You know, people who, who, who come along and, and give their 10% and they think that's it. They are fooling themselves. Their 10% counts as nothing. They are focused on earthly treasures. They're not focusing on God. It doesn't matter what you give to God. Sorry, treasurer Brett, you know. Um, obviously, our treasurer would love you to give as much as you possibly can, but it's not how much you give, it's your attitude. If the attitude is, I'm giving some of my money to God, that's the wrong attitude. Everything you have, comes from God. Everything you possess is God's. He's just given it to you for a time being to see what you're going to do with it. What are you doing with the stuff that God has given you? So, this is the, um, the last section and I want to just take this last section to focus a little bit on what we can do in terms of building up treasures in heaven and what we can do now in terms of our personal lives. Now, in your minds, I've been saying everything you have belongs to God. Probably most of you already knew that anyway. And I'm preaching to the choir here, you already know that. So that's great. But the next step, once you've acknowledged that everything you have belongs to God, the next step is to say, well, God, what do you want me to do with all this stuff? If our focus is on the stuff itself, on the earthly treasures, we will never hear from God. We need to focus on God so that we can then hear what he wants us to do with our earthly treasures. I think a church is a really good example of the way that money is managed. Because, well, I'm, I'm talking about a good church here like Burley. Um, there are probably some churches that, that manage money very badly. But a church like Burley has an income. But we don't, you know, members of the board, you know, the treasurer, the, the, the pastors, that income is not ours. That income is here to grow the kingdom of God. So in that sense, the way the church functions and looks after its treasures is, is a model for the way people should look after their treasures. So the money comes in and we allocate it. And, uh, and, and all of the money is allocated towards programs that are going to grow the kingdom of God. Now some of them are going to be boring things like maintaining the building. 
But even so, maintaining the building means that we have a presence that can be a point of entry for people for the kingdom of God. We give money to missions, we are both here in Australia and overseas. We've just given money to uh, provide RE materials for the, the, the primary school. Over and over again, the money that comes into the church is used by the church to further the kingdom of God. Now, that's the way a, you know, a family or, or an individual should operate. The money that comes in, either because you know, you've paid very handsomely or you sell things or whatever, that comes in, how are you going to use that for the kingdom of God? Now, uh, obviously, a lot of, of, of what goes on is involved is trusting that God is going to be there and going to provide everything that we need. But I'll tell you that uh, here at, at Burley, uh, we have a whole swag of programs, but we don't actually get enough money in from offerings to cover everything. But because we've got a grant from uh, the conference and because the op shop provides a steady stream of income, we are able to cover all of our expenses. But if, in terms of asking God, what can I do, God, with the treasures you've given me, if one of the things God says, increase your giving to Burley Heads, I'm sure that that would be a really good thing to do. But ask God, what do you want me to do? What can I do with my treasures that will grow the kingdom of God? Um, just as a way of advertising, little cards we give, envelopes, direct transfer. You know, I told you a sermon about money. That was one-seventh of the sermon. You know, Burley Heads, is a, we're on iTunes, we're on Facebook. Um, we've just hooked in with Christian surfers. We are doing so much. We've got many points of entry into the church. If you look on your news sheet, there'll be a whole lot of activities going on in the week. They're all points of entry into the kingdom of God. Get behind that. Get, ask the treasurer if there are any special projects you can give extra to. There are always things going on that we can use to grow the kingdom. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give out of guilt or fear or obligation. Give out of gratitude for what God has done for you. And finally, a last little bit of advice. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Do you remember what I said the key point was? That if you've woken up and have fallen back asleep? The key point is that everything you have and everything you are belongs to God. God wants to know what you're doing with his stuff. Nothing you think you have is yours. He's just letting you use it to see what you will do with it. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to use all the resources that you have given to us. Help us to give them use them wisely in your service. Help us not to get into the trap of focusing on our material possessions. Help us to focus always on you and your will for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.